You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Well, today we get to talk about the F word that you say in church and makes everybody about as uncomfortable as possible. Uh, Forgiveness. You were a little worried where I was going with that, weren't you? Uh, (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, we're talking about forgiveness today, which at that point in the conversation, everybody kind of just gets that clenching feeling in your gut, like, I don't want to talk about this. This sounds unpleasant. Uh, We're going to start off with a question of how many times do I have to forgive somebody? We've kind of done this with some of the parables here, uh, starting with a question that might be answered. Um, And this one might ring true for uh, many of us that have been in the church. Uh, We'd be like, wait, I've heard this before. Stop, you're getting ahead. Wait, just sit with the question. How many times do I have to forgive someone? And forgiveness is tricky to talk about because we have so many different points of reference. Everybody, everybody in this room, when I say, let's talk about forgiveness, let's think about forgiveness. You're thinking of very different things, probably. Uh, some of you might be thinking about your roommate who forgot to turn off the light, perhaps. That might be, that might be a thing or, or something like that. A little, little room, roommate conflict. Uh, Rob's thinking about the person who was driving too slow in front of him coming back from uh, Utah. That definitely probably happened. Actually, in Utah, I don't know if you might have been the slow one. They drive crazy down there. No, no, you weren't the slow. It's still not the slow one. Oh, Rob. Some of us might be praying about Rob because he's behind us while we're driving. That might be the case. Uh, So it could be something kind of minimal like that. Um, Or it could be something more serious. Uh, It could be something horrible. Uh, An abusive parent. uh, some sort of deep baggage. And so when we talk about forgiveness, because we have these different points of reference, it's easy for the conversation to either just kind of wash over you and be like, yep, okay, yeah, roommate, light, yep, check, forgive. All right, he's forgiven, cool, moving on. Or it might be a, yeah, I'm not ready to go there. And so you shut down. Forgiveness is tricky to talk about. And I think it's important that we start off with uh, a couple of things that forgiveness is not, just to make sure that we're all on the same page. Uh, Pulling these from from my friend Marty, who did a fantastic blog article, um, blog article thing, where he he writes the words on the interwebs. Um, He talks about forgiveness in this one, and um, he's talking about Samson and all that. It's a fantastic article if you want to read it. Uh, Link it in the show notes, maybe. But uh, forgiveness is not admitting that what they did was okay and doesn't matter. Forgiveness is not saying that there isn't a place for boundaries. Forgiveness is not always forgetting. It's not, we don't get to just throw it into a box and just, that's not exactly what forgiveness is, just blocking it out and forgetting about it. That is not what forgiveness is always. Forgiveness Forgiveness is not saying that there won't be consequences. It's not saying that we're going to ignore the fact that some people are destructive. The person is destructive in your life, then that needs to be dealt with. 
Too oftentimes we, we, we think of forgiveness in a manner that says like it leads to uh, abused spouses staying in relationships where they shouldn't be in that relationship. They should be away from that spouse because that person is dangerous. Forgiveness is not that. It's not saying that you have to stay there. Forgiveness is not saying that they won't have to answer to the law. That's not what forgiveness is saying. Forgiveness is not calling good what God has called evil. Everything sums up in that. It's not calling something that is evil good and saying, well, we've got to forgive them, so that's, that's all fine and dandy. That is not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness does not mean the same thing as reconciliation. I would add that one in there. Forgiveness is one of the harder principles that Jesus teaches us. It's a really difficult thing for Christians to wrestle with and to apply into our lives. This is, it's tough. It is not easy. We've got a a quote, a quote, a quote by Joe Brown. It's going to be a long sermon if I can't figure out how to speak. Joe Brown is Brene Brown's husband. This was an odd one. So this, this is in her book, but it's his quote. So I'm quoting him. Uh, but it's her book, Rising Strong. And she quotes him as saying, in order to, for forgiveness to happen, something has to die. If you make a choice to forgive, you have to face the pain. You have to hurt. This idea of for forgiveness to happen, something has to die. And this is, this is part of what makes forgiveness difficult. It makes it so hard for us. That something might be my expectations of a situation. I have to let my expectations go and say that's not what's going to happen. Or my power of being right and saying, ha, I got you. And I have to let go of that rightness in order to forgive somebody. I might have to let that go. I might have to let that die. Your anger or the, the person that you scapegoat. Because this person did this to me, I am now broken. And I hang on to it and I cling to this person that I am blaming. And in order to actually forgive them, I'm going to have to let that die. And I'm going to have to give up that thing that I'm using as protection. And that is not easy. We have to give up that feeling of good. He says it in that quote, you simply have to hurt. Forgiveness is hard. It's incredibly difficult. We've dived straight into the deep end today. Uh, I don't have many jokes. I'm so sorry. But uh, forgiveness is hard, but it's obviously important because Jesus spends a fair amount of time talking about it within his ministry, within his discipleship. He spends a good deal of time talking about forgiveness. We're uh, looking at the fourth significant teaching section today uh, for uh, the book of Matthew. We were in the third significant teaching section last week. There's five of them. And this is the fourth one today in Matthew 18. And a fair chunk of this is spent talking about forgiveness. Uh, in verses 15 through 20, I'm just going to spark note this, so don't worry, Mike, the, the slide. You're like, where's the slides? They're not there. Uh, Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples on how they should resolve conflict when they hurt a brother. This is a passage, if you've been through our 101, I'm pretty sure it's in there, right? This is what we use for resolving conflict. 
Um, this is a, if, if a brother sins against you, you go to them personally. And if that doesn't work, then you go to them with like two others. And if that doesn't work, then you go to them with the elder, you know, and it slowly progresses in a methodical manner of how we're going to handle this conflict resolution. This is what Jesus is teaching. <clears throat> uh, breaking that down, this method keeps things from blowing out of control, right? Because so often we want to go to a, an eye for an eye sort of situation, that's so easy. I, I think of my, all of my favorite superheroes. I was thinking about this this week. All of my favorite superheroes are all kind of the anti-hero that just kills people, right? Um, well, not all of them kill people, but most of them just go and beat up people in a vengeance sort of eye for eye, Punisher, Deadpool, Wolverine. They, yeah, they're really all not super great. They escalate things. They're not really good at de-escalation techniques. But we like that, Right? but it feels kind of satisfying to get that, to get yours, to give them what they have coming. <clears throat> he's, he's sharing this that it's not, that's not the way. That is not the way. He's teaching us to keep the small things small in this, to deal with this. Instead of blowing this out of proportion immediately, just go to them one-on-one. And if that doesn't work, then, then we'll take it up just a little notch and up just a little notch. And so having this discussion spurs a question from his disciple, Peter. So we'll pick it up in verse 21. <clears throat> verse 21, Peter says uh, that Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? How many times do I have to forgive my brother? His brother's probably standing behind him. Uh, like actual brother. It's a fantastic image. There's some fantastic Renaissance paintings in which Peter is yoked and his brother looks like a dweeb uh, depicting this, this, little, this little interchange. The Renaissance is fantastic. Um, yay for art. <laughs> he asked him, how many times do I, seven times? It's a pretty good number. In fact, uh, there's an uh, a reference in Amos, and we'll probably talk about this in footnotes, but uh, the common would be to forgive somebody three times. And after three times, it's three strikes and you're out, which I'm pretty sure I'm more and more convinced the more I say that, that's where baseball got it. They're getting it from the book of Amos. Baseball is biblical? All right, Lori agrees. Uh, so seven times is not too bad. It's pretty good. He's up in it. It's a, it's a complete number, right? This is the Jewish number of completion, Seven days of creation, fantastic. But Jesus says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Or some of your translations might be 70 times seven, which is 490, which is even worse. That's so much forgiving. <clears throat> I've definitely had this one used on me as a child. Uh, my, my father, you know, being the eldest, it was always my responsibility to be the bigger man. Uh, not always, but it seemed like it in my uh, little eldest child mind. It was, always, it was always my fault. And I had to forgive my brother for whatever grievous sin he had done, probably hitting me. Why, is it all, why do I always have to forgive? Why do I always, well, seven, Jesus said so, 77 times. All right, keep a tally, right? We get to 78 and all hell breaks loose. I wish. It's not, it's not what Jesus is doing here. 
unfortunately. For all of us that want to just conk somebody over the head. That's not what he's saying. And he's not just saying this, this, he's not just throwing out a number just to outdo Peter either. He's giving, a, he's giving us a callback. This is a remez. And if we, if we knew our text really well, <clears throat> as the disciples would, then it would, uh, it would call us back to Genesis 4, the story of Cain and Abel. And at the end of the story of Cain and Abel, uh, we get this, this the, 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 the lineage, the descendants of Cain, right? And we come to this character, Lamech. And uh, Lamech is bragging to his, his wives uh, in the third person because it's important that when you're an evil dude, you brag in the third person. Take note of that. Uh, so Genesis 4, 23 through 24. Lamech is saying, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. Just for, so this young guy, for hitting him, he killed him, struck him dead. Just a minor, a minor grievance. And he's bragging about this. He's bragging that, the, that he has is, he is taken this vengeance, this, th- this thing that was wrong that Cain did with his brother, killing him out of anger and jealousy. Lamech is bragging that he, is, he has become more so. It has become exponential. We see here that Jesus is drawing a comparison. You want to flip to that next one, Mike? It's, it, it's a pretty, like, this is a pretty good parallel. It's a pretty good little remez that Peter set him up for it with that seven. Look what you did, Peter. That was a sowed moment and you didn't even know it. Man, probably not. Maybe. I don't know. <clears throat> the, this, this story in, in Genesis with Lamech is, is telling us that the line of Cain has established itself. It has firmly rooted itself as a culture of vengeance, as a culture of retribution. It is the culmination of evil. It is a culture of brokenness that they are dwelling in, that they have, they have perfected this and it has permeated their entire family line. And Jesus is drawing a connection to this for his teaching. And then he drops this parable. <clears throat> Matthew eighteen twenty three. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. 
have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then this master summoned him and, and said to him, you wicked servant, which a lot of Jesus' parables are either you good and faithful servant or you wicked servant. Side tangent thought. You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Oof. (sighs) Rough parable. There's some things that we should probably take note of as we're reading through this. You might have caught some of them. So uh, first off, this is a stupidly large sum of money. Uh, if you break this down, 10,000 uh, talents, a talent is a measurement of weight and rough estimates, uh, numbers being what they are, comes out to be about $6 billion. Just a wee little bit of debt. Um, just a wee little bit. Uh, you break that down in years of working, if your average wage earner, it's about 160,000 years of wages. Just a couple lifetimes. Probably three of mine, two of most people's. <laughs> Guesses being what they are. <laughs> this is impossible to pay back. This is a stupidly large sum of money. There's no way this guy could ever pay it back. And it's too much to forgive, let's be honest. This, this is too much debt to just let go, right? Because... Uh, this is a reckless, crazy idea that the master has to just have mercy and just like, oh, you know what? Yeah, no, nope. I'm not even going to take what I can get from you. I'm just going to take the loss. Mark that one down in the books. Six billion dollars off, right? Pretty sure even Bezos would notice that one disappearing. Like that, that's a big number. And somebody has to take the loss in this and it's the master. The master's like, yeah, all right, I'll take this. And compare that to the considerably minuscule amount of debt that the fellow servant had. Roughly, by estimates, 9,000. Three months wages, roughly thereabouts. So not, I mean, not a tiny amount, but definitely one of those numbers I would rather have as a debt number. Like, I could pay off one of those. Probably actually get that back. This one's interesting. Have patience with me and I will pay everything back. The phrase is exactly the same that the two servants use. It's the exact same phrase. The the servant A, the, the unforgiving servant, servant A is being given the opportunity to forgive in the exact same manner that the master forgave. This parable is brilliant. You get this giant difference. It's like this debt isn't even remotely comparable. And they're being given the opportunity 
the servant is being given this opportunity to forgive in the exact same way. The guy uses the exact same words. He just heard them when they came out of his mouth and it worked with the master. But he doesn't, he doesn't follow through with that. He doesn't, he doesn't respond to this. He doesn't catch it. I, I don't know. <clears throat> and then my, my, my big problem with this, I guess, with this parable, the thing that kind of irks me a little bit. Is the master going back on his word? Who in this parable, the master is God. Is God going back on his word in this parable? Because the debt was canceled. The debt was written off. It's gone. And then all of a sudden he, he calls this back in. He said, you know, and, and in anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay off all his debt. All, all his debt was paid. It was done. It was, it was written off. What is going on here? I really hope that's not the way that God works. That's a little terrifying, to be honest. If, that, if, that's, if that's the reading of the parable, if that's what I get my theology out of, that's scary. It's downright terrifying. There's a little bit of a translation issue. Something that we might not catch that might speak to this. Uh, in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers. Well, in fact, jailers can be kind of tormentors. Might be a better translation. Uh, this is not a fun jail, apparently. But this little bit here, until he should pay all his debt. One, we've got a couple of pronouns. As you're reading this, it drives me bonkers. Let's use some names every once in a while so we know who the characters are. His, he and his is all, like, all over. Wait, which one are we talking about? Which servant? until he should pay all of his debt, until servant A should pay all of servant A's debt, or until servant A should pay all of servant B's debt. And maybe, uh, but the word pay in the Greek can be translated about 15 different ways. This is one of those, one of those really flexible words. It's used for a lot of things. Uh, it, can be, it, can, it, can mean, it can mean pay, or it can mean all the way to like cancel and let it go, give it up. So here's what I think Jesus is doing in this parable at the end. <clears throat> I think he's, he's, giving, he's giving this teaching that this, this servant is being thrown into jail until he cancels all of the other servant's debt, until he has learned his lesson because his debt was already forgiven servant A's debt is gone until he has learned to forgive in the manner that the master did which means that he's been put into a prison which he holds the key for he holds his own key to release <clears throat> the ending of his torment is being able to show the mercy that he was given. That parable just got a lot cooler in my mind. Which takes us back to our <clears throat> Lamech connection. 
this key to being set free is showing this mercy that you've been given. Everyone's been given this mercy that God is this merciful God willing to take on this debt. If you're not seeing Christ imagery in this, then go back and read it again with a little Jesus lens on it. Lamech has established a line of brokenness. Cain's line is just this broken, horrible lineage. How many of us in this room are carrying the baggage of a lineage of brokenness? Have some family baggage, right? The, the, the sins of the father is the phrase, right? This generational things that pass down. I learned to be a workaholic from somebody. I don't know who. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. There's, my perfectionism might have come from somewhere. Definitely not three out of the four of my grandparents. For sure not. How many of us are carrying this, this lineage of brokenness, this, this history? The answer is probably every last one of us. And Jesus is telling Peter something with this 77 by calling him back to Lamech. He's telling him that the solution to an established lineage of unforgiving retribution, of unforgiving evil, of unforgiving, unrelenting brokenness, the solution to this is to establish the opposite culture or lineage. If it's just this strong over here, if Lamech's brokenness and evilness, if the unforgiveness is this strong here, then it needs to be this strong over here. The forgiveness needs to be the opposite. It's like Newton's third law of forgiveness. Dad's going to fillet me on that. Yeah, he might. Or he'll be like, that's brilliant. Use more physics. I don't know. He'll let me know either way. Watch the Instagram in an hour. Oh, man. The solution is to establish the opposite culture, the opposite lineage, the opposite pattern of forgiveness as opposed to unforgiveness. And Christ breaks it down in this parable of what that looks like and what that does for you. It takes us to our implication. Christ invites you to create a culture of forgiveness around yourself. This is up to each of us individually to create a culture of forgiveness around each and every one of us. To establish a lineage, if you will, of forgiveness. You are being given opportunities to extend grace like your God. And that is not easy. I was not stoked about this sermon this week. As soon as we, I was like, um, I'm going to have to wrestle with this all week long. There's this fun little thing where you start to, you, if you're going to study something, if you're going to preach something, you, you, you read your LTG reading and all of a sudden, like, you get these beautiful examples to live out what you're reading in your LTG. I don't know if that happens to anybody else. Um, it happens when I'm preaching too. So, yay, forgiveness. Guess what I get to wrestle with all week long? Fantastic. I was stoked. There's a lot of sarcasm in this mask. Given opportunities to extend grace like your God. 
there are going to be times where this means that you have to absorb the debt because that's what this looks like. The unforgiving servant, he, in order for him to cancel that debt, he, he has to absorb the loss. Now, granted, he just got a $6 billion pardon, so I'd be okay taking the $9,000 hit. Kind of way out. It's pretty good. Or would I? Because we've all been given that $6 billion pardon, right? This unforgivable debt. It's just, we could, I can never pay it back. We've been given that through Christ. But then how often do I go to my neighbor? How often do I go to my brother? And they've wronged me and I hold that against them. Ugh. That's a knife to the gut when I realize that. Because I, I, I now have, I have the keys to my own freedom in this, remember? I have the ability to let myself go from that, that torment, that ugh. Because you know when you hold on to this forgiveness, like when you, when you hold that back, when you are holding something over somebody and you're just going to stick it to them, oftentimes they don't even know. And I'm just, I'm, the, Cindy told me the, the, the phrase, it was, uh, you're, when you're feeding yourself unforgiveness or something, it's, it's like feeding yourself poison and expecting the other person to die or something like that. I'm like, well, that's that's appropriate quote. That'll work. Should have remembered it better, but well, my bad. Uh, I didn't want to remember it. It hurts too much. You hold your own keys to your freedom in this. And then you get to decide if Christ's death is good enough to cover not only your sins, my sins that, like God's covering that, but is God's grace good enough to cover that person's sins towards me? It's not just this covers their sins, like God's going to cover their sins there, but does it cover their sins interrelationally between us? My enemy's sins against me. Is Christ's grace, am, am I okay with Christ's grace covering that person's sins? And that's where, that's where I don't oftentimes want to get rid of that $9,000 debt. I don't want to let that go. Because dang it, they offended me. That's tough. That is what Christ is inviting us to do to create this culture of forgiveness around yourself. <clears throat> so what does this look like tangibly? Like, what? Do, all right, I want to create this culture of forgiveness. What do I do with that? How do, what, what steps do I take? Now, forgiveness is a big topic. It's a big, broad thing. There's a lot of facets of this. So we wrestled with our next steps this week and we broke them down into some little bite-sized pieces that we can work on. First one is an honest evaluation of who you need to forgive. What wrongs are you holding on to? Who is that person that you're taking to court in your mind, right? Who are you holding on to anger for? I don't want to let this go.
That could be somebody else or that could be you. That might be, sometimes that means we have to forgive ourselves because there's times where I rack up these debts. I don't want to forgive myself for the things that I've done. And I I, I don't, the failures that I've had, which as a slight perfectionist, they tend to accrue quickly, to be honest. And I don't necessarily like letting go of those. Rob pointed that out earlier this week when we were sermon clubbing. He threw that on the board, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. He said, you might actually wrestle with that some. I was like, I don't want to because I know that that's me. Thanks, Rob. That's fantastic. I definitely wanted to spend all week thinking about whether or not I forgive myself. Fantastic. It's true, and, it, and it's hard. And that, that's the perfect image. Like, I, I, if I forgive myself, and I can let that go, and I'll feel a lot better. Or I can just keep tearing myself up over those things. So it starts with an honest evaluation of who you need to forgive. And speaking of people speaking into your life, <clears throat> the next one is let your community help you navigate forgiveness. Now this can mean, when, I, when we say community here, this can mean anything from your best friend to your, your, your LTG, your care group, your, you know, whatever your community looks like, it can be that. It can be all the way up to professional counseling. Because there are different sizes of debts. There are different degrees of, you know, in, this, in the same way that there's, there's, there's shoplifting and then there's, you know, grand larceny. Those are two different things. There's, you know, there's hitting my brother on the head as a child, and then there's murder. You know, two slightly different debts there. A little, little, little different, a little different, right? Um, the things that we wrestle with that we need to forgive are going to have different degrees of severity that we need to deal with. And so that might be professional counseling. That might just be your best friend. Whatever that looks like, having your community speak into that helps you understand that, helps you move through that. That's what Christ is talking about in that first section where he's saying you got to start bringing other people into it sometimes. And last but not least, we need to keep the small things small. You do this by not writing them off, but by addressing them before they grow. Which is oh, the worst. Like that, that small little thing, we'll just ignore that and put that in a box and shove it in the closet, right? It sounds like an NF song. Throw it in the mansion in my mind or something. And I love doing that. Like, let's just ignore it. Let's just sweep it under the rug. And pretty soon the rug looks kind of moundish. It's a problem. Cleaning your room and the, the closet door is bulging. Instead of writing these things off, this is once again what Jesus is talking about in that first section. He says, go to that person individually. Don't let it grow. Don't let it fester. Uh, use a little Samson imagery. Don't pick up the jawbone. Samson 
clubs a bunch of people with a jawbone, which is a fantastic story. Uh, but it's probably a great image of like how to not de-escalate a situation. That's that in the story of Samson. How to not not how to not de-escalate. I speak good. But if you don't pick up the jawbone, then you don't have to set it down. Which is the temptation to not put it down and to continue clubbing people with it when justice is served. And that's uh, you know how that story turned out. You establish this culture around you by keeping these small things small. When we when we do the little the little forgiveness things, the I'm sorry, I forgive you, hashing this out on the small things, then becomes easier on the bigger things, right? This is like when I'm doing my PT and the first week I can't do a bicep curl with just the weight of my hand. I have to use my other one to lug my arm up, which is humbling, humbling. But the more humbling was that once I finally could do that, all right, feeling real, feeling real swole, fantastic, feeling like Peter. Uh, and and then, then the PT, uh, the, the, the physical therapist throws the one pound weight in my hand and suddenly... I can't do it. I can do it, but it's not as easy. And that is a humbling experience, right? But lo and behold, if you do that over and over and over, the muscle starts to grow. It becomes easier. And over time, I'm up to five pounds. It's fantastic. <laughs> Except for with this arm. <sighs> it's the same way with forgiveness. If you want to establish this culture in your life, if you want to build this around you, then you start doing the little reps. You start looking for the places where I can do this. Where can I let that go? Where can I let that go? Where can I show and reflect the grace that God has given me? Day by day by day, minute by minute, moment by moment. And this sounds a lot like our, uh, <clears throat> sounds a lot like our, our core value here at Mission Ridge about family. <clears throat> the primary metaphor for the church in the New Testament is that of family. The entire biblical narrative is relationally driven and seeks to bring peace between peoples. We will fight for healthy relationships over anything else to build he- healthy community. This is essential to this core value. Forgiveness, keeping the small things small, fighting for healthy relationships, not letting things fester and explode. Instead of, in, instead of doing that, we go and talk to the person. If you're going to have authentic relationships with people, then we have to do that. If we're going to live out this core value well, we have to figure out what forgiveness looks like in our lives. If you're going to live this out, you have to walk out forgiveness. Christ is inviting you to, com- to create a culture of forgiveness around yourself. And if you are willing to do the hard work of this, if you are willing to put in the effort, then bit by bit we can create a culture of forgiveness and mercy that is a reflection of our God. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, 
connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.